Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Chad, the Friday edition is here. Time to talk in absolutes. How about it on this Friday edition? It's what we do every day, Hutton. We come ready, and I am absolutely excited about today's show and this lineup. Ben Lieber will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. He is the radio TV analyst for the Minnesota Vikings. A ton to discuss, including former Vikings like Dalvin Cook, who's now with the New York Jets. Kelly in Vegas. Kelly Stewart joins us. She is a Kansas State grad and uh, really hated Chad's exercise earlier this week. Kelly in Vegas, the Vegas expert, joins us later this hour as well. Fantastic defensive lineman, Leonard Marshall, formerly of the Giants. He jumps on the show in hour number two. Plus, uh, Mike Gunzelman and Chad, the actor who portrayed Michael Orr in The Blind Side. Quentin Aaron will be on the show today. My top question for Quentin Aaron today, because Michael Lohr has claimed that he was portrayed as someone who was not smart in the movie, and he had to fight that perception of him throughout. I'm going to ask the actor who portrayed Michael Lohr in the movie, did you play him dumb? What was the motivation behind your portrayal of him? How did you look at the character? How did you portray it? I'll also have to ask Quentin Aaron to explain to people that may be upset on social media about Sandra Bullock how acting works. Just give us a quick description of how, you know, you take a job and you portray a part and it's not you saying that that person's great and has done everything right in their life, but you get paid to portray something. We, we may have to have him give an explanation on He'll all give that. Backs, yeah. I can't wait either way. It's He'll give us the honest reaction for sure, not just on that, but uh, with, with the entire storyline of the week. Time to hit the uh, top headlines of the day. We'll certainly touch on Michael Orr and uh, the Tuies and more, but Chad, to as we get scorched earth on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, Megan Kelly on the Megan Kelly show on Sirius XM, or if were you a part of this? You're on the the trio pack. I here saw with, that. I, I like the thumbnail that included me yeah. with Megan Great and decision. Sage. Uh, I'm thinking, man, this looks like um, you know I, I really moved up, and I'm now Megan Kelly's co-host. Not 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 to, not to you know no, not doing the show with you, Hutton. Is it totally fine. great? It's just I, I've got a new gig now as Megan Kelly's co-host. So uh, Megan Kelly had Sage still on the show. We've been discussing this throughout the week. Uh, Sage still settling with ESPN, no longer a part of the Four Letter Network. Uh, after she was suspended, she filed lawsuit saying that she was censored of her First Amendment rights, where she couldn't speak her mind, censored uh, behind the scenes with uh, a suspension from shows, uh, all because of what she said on the Jay Cutler podcast. Megan Kelly kicks things off on the uh, forced apology that Sage Steele was asked to put out on social media, uh, which Sage will go on to say she regrets, but begins the conversation by adding her thoughts on the entire experience. They started to take responsibilities away from you while at the same yeah. time forcing you to apologize. The comment that you put out was as follows, quote, I know my recent comments created controversy for the company and I apologize. We are in the midst of an extremely challenging time that impacts all of us and it's more critical than ever that we communicate constructively and thoughtfully. 
So did they make you do that, Sage? And how did that feel? I did not want to apologize. I fought and I fought and I begged and I screamed. I was told that if I want to keep my job, I have to apologize and I need my job. And I love my job, Megan. I loved it. Loved it. Every moment on SportsCenter the last two and a half years with my co-host, Matt Berry, and my producers, we've had (laughs) the best team. So proud. I loved it, but I needed it as well. They knew that. Chad, you and I can relate to this. We have been asked, not just asked, told to make apologies on air before. Yep. We did our last one probably a decade ago. Roughly. Is that the James Franklin? No, it was... When, when did seven the, or eight um, years ago now? Seven or eight years uh, ago now. Let me find the story, and I can tell you exactly when we were probably. Forced we will to never apologize. issue an apology we don't believe in on air ever again. Yep. After that, period. And so we, we know the feeling. Chad had to read it because I refused to read it, although it was on behalf of all of us on the show, uh, based on having a guest on the show that gave his honest opinion. And in this case, Sage is giving her honest opinion on what she thinks about the COVID-19 vaccine and whether or not she should be uh, forced to take this, uh, take the jab in order to work, to go on location, to do things. Um, And then she had to tweet issuing the apology for what she said on the Jay Cutler podcast, not even on air with ESPN, which Clay said she should be able to do whenever he joined us earlier this week. Yeah, it, it was about a decade ago. Um, it was uh, in, in line with the Vanderbilt football rape case with that us, was going yeah. on, and that was June 23rd, 2013 is when it started. Probably would have been around 2014, I'm guessing, when the interview took place that we had to apologize for. By the way, forced to apologize, we were for interviewing a reporter who had a report, and we simply asked him about his report, and somehow we were supposed to apologize for that. Correct. That's for neither here on. nor there. It still bothers me. So – I get it. When I hear the anger and the emotion in Sage Steele's voice about what happened at ESPN when she was forced to apologize for something that she did not say on ESPN, and she's very clear, we're going to play some other clips from the interview, about a double standard where others at ESPN were allowed to stop sports programming to protest their political opinions on ESPN, on ESPN Air. And they did not face any discipline for that. They did it on Twitter. They did it in other avenues, on other interviews. And they were not forced any discipline upon them. Yet Sage Steele voiced her opinions on a separate podcast with Jay Cutler, not on ESPN, and she was forced to apologize. I echo what Hutton said. Um, I also understand where Sage Steele is coming from. She's a mother of three. She has to have an income. If I was told, do this or you're not going to have a job, well, that's a pretty threatening thing for anyone to be in, in a situation to be in. Okay, well, let me consider my options here. And if put up in a corner, most of us would probably make the same decision Sage Steele did. And guess what? Most of us would grow to resent that decision the same way Sage Steele did. The same way I resent and hate the fact that I apologize and I was the one who read it on air when I was forced to about a decade ago. I hate it. And I don't ever want to do it again. And I bet if Sage Steele had it in mind what she eventually accomplished, which was suing ESPN and winning with a settlement. Her words, she won the settlement with ESPN. She would have told them right then and there, if you do this, I will sue the ever-loving hell out of you for firing me over this. 
Keep that in mind as you make your decision right now. I will not apologize, and if you fire me, it's coming right back on you. So go right ahead and do what you've got to do. If she would have said that in the moment, things may have been different. They may have backed down. She may still be at ESPN. A lawsuit may have never happened. Or she would have been laid off in but the cuts. But instead, yeah, or she would have been laid off in the cuts. Also probably been paid the way most of the rest of them were, the rest still, of their contract. I'm glad she stood up the way she did. I'm glad she stood up the way she did, but and, and her being forced to apologize and still having to be suspended, you know, like she says suspended, they say she wasn't well, suspended, but taken off air, yeah. it worked out best for her, for her. But you could hear in her voice right there, Hutton, she doesn't like the fact that she was forced to apologize and that she did it. Well, and it's based on what you and I uh, expect, what uh, the goal would be for any of our viewers or listeners with OutKick, consistency. That is the one big thing that she wanted from ESPN and that we all want. All I ever wanted was consistency. And if we are allowing my peers to go on social media, much less on our own airwaves, saying things that have nothing to do with sports, that are political, that are not true quite often because the parental rights bill in Florida is not what many people claim that it is. Most people apparently didn't take the time to read it. Then I should be allowed on my personal time to give my opinion on my experiences personally without telling others what to do or how to feel about being biracial or being forced to take a vaccine. And I think that's just what breaks my heart is that there were different rules for me than everyone else. Different rules for her and different rules across the country, quite frankly, for certain people over everyone else. Couldn't go to the Super Bowl with Fox unless we took the COVID-19 booster. Um, could not go and travel with the NFL unless you were vaccinated and had the card. You're forced to do it, and if you weren't there and you weren't available, chances are you felt like your job was in jeopardy. And in this case, she regrets not just getting the vaccine, but doing so while having, Chad, you were saying, having the, the Band-Aid on the arm. And yeah. she was doing this the same day that she had the COVID-19 jab. Yeah, she went, uh, I think we're going to play that also, but why, why, why she had the bandit in her arm because the timing of the Jay Cutler part of this and when everything went down. Um, a lot of people were forced to take this shot. I, I don't have strong opinions about it one way or the other. Didn't really at the time either the way Sage Dill does. But, I mean, I, like you, Hutton, I, I got vaccinated because I wanted to do my job. I wanted to get back out around people. And to go cover a Super Bowl, the NFL right. required you to do it. I waited until the very last day to do it for the yeah. two-week wait until I could travel on a plane with the organization in the league. Um, I didn't do it immediately, but the, the pressure was there to do it. And ESPN had their motives, just like every other company that forced people to do this had theirs. And that's the other thing, the, the, the behind the bottom line, read between the line thing with this. Not just First Amendment rights, but how companies put their foot down and now, you know, came back and all of a sudden, magically, the rules are, are lifted and everyone's either back in the studio, back in the sales office, uh, not required to work from home, not required to show a vaccine card. All of that just magically went away. Well, ESPN is the most high profile of these companies to do these things and punish people for having differing opinions from the mainstream on their air or off their air. And this became very public because the lawsuit was Sage Steele. And kudos to Sage Steele for fighting this and eventually winning. 
But make no mistake about it, and people watching or listening right now, you know exactly what I'm saying. ESPN wasn't the only one no. to mandate something. ESPN wasn't the only one to threaten people if they didn't go get vaccinated with termination of their job, their livelihood in some way. I mean, this went on everywhere. So I'm not going to sit here and act like ESPN is the only devil here. <laughs> Plenty of corporations required COVID vaccines. Plenty of other places threatened people with their job if they didn't adhere to whatever was going on. So, look, while ESPN certainly is worse in the if you don't, if you don't echo this one opinion on air or off, we are going to punish you but we're going to allow people to echo our political opinions on air or off and not do a thing, they are very invisibly the ones that are the worst example of doing that. But there's a lot of hypocrisy going around now. Censorship on air or off. And a lot of people in hindsight now are looking back and and trying to sort of rewrite history and the way things were viewed then, the way things were done then, the way things are looked at now. And uh, look, ESPN was wrong. They lost. But it's not just ESPN that was up to this. And it's not just ESPN that forces apology or censors or does any of that. A lot of places do the exact same thing. And Hutton and I gave an example of our former company that forced us to apologize over something we never should have apologized about. But when you're in our shoes and it's do this, you're going to be in big trouble, sometimes the path of least resistance is the one that's chosen because it's the easiest to keep doing your job and moving right along, and that's what a lot of people take. Sage Steele took that path of least resistance in the beginning by apologizing and then later fought back, and she won. So kudos to her. And as she told Megyn Kelly, she still believes in what she told Jay Cutler on his podcast. I own everything. Every single thing I said, I would say it again today, and I still believe it. So I don't want to separate myself from that. But that day... I literally, Megan, had just come from the stupid grocery store pharmacy to get the shot. That's why the Band-Aid, like I've been asked a couple times, even recently, is that a prop to, to stir the pot and to get them to ask you about that? I was like, no, I literally was late getting the shot because I sat in my car crying saying, I cannot believe I'm going to go against what I believe is right and my morals and values and what I, what I believe being forced with my body to keep my job. But I knew I had no choice. I'm a mother of three single mother of three, their father is is here and he's a wonderful father, but I'm 100% the breadwinner. And I knew that I I had no choice. And I sat in that car and I, I was disgusted with myself for caving. See, I get emotional again, it's so stupid. I went in the grocery store and I sat down and the nurse looked at me. She's like, are you okay? Cause I'm like crying. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm not okay. I'm being forced to do this and I don't believe it's right. Not yet. Give it a year. See what more they learn. This is still experimental. Like, just give me time before I have to put this in my body. And the nurse looked at me and grabbed my hand and said, this is so wrong. And I'm sorry. There's Sage still speaking in absolutes about her experience. And I commend her for it. Uh, Because Chad and I can relate to the whole situation. And it's like, what what are we doing here? What's going on? And here's what I want to get back to, and I'm very, very consistent. Sage still wants consistency, but we are anything uh, but inconsistent on this show. We will be consistent. At least Hutton and I will constantly be consistent with what we're saying. And I'm going to be consistent on this. We need to get back to asking the first question on anyone in media or sports or that does anything. 
It's not what do they think or who do they vote for. It is got to be, are they good? It's not what do they think on this issue? What do they think on that issue? It's are they good or not? And here's the great thing about Sage Steel. Sage Steel's really good. I never once asked what, what party does Sage Steel vote for when she's on SportsCenter. I just always thought, you know, she's a really good broadcaster. I like watching her deliver the news and talk about sports. And now we get to get back to Sage Steel just being a really good broadcaster. That's got to be the most important thing professionally. Are you good? First question every time. If someone asks me about a talent, ask me, are they good? Don't ask me what they think about something. I don't really care about that. That's secondary. And ESPN and others got way too into this of, well, what do they think? Are they controversial? Are they going to get canceled? Are they that? No. Are they good or not? Yes or no. Black and white. Sometimes it is black and white. And this is another one of those examples. And guess what? Sage Dill's very good. Absolutely. Uh, a great guest list coming up throughout today's show. Kelly in Vegas later this hour. When we come back, Ben Lieber joins us, radio TV analyst of the Minnesota Vikings. Plenty to discuss from that division and that roster. That's next on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, I just stepped out here at uh, our studio and uh, saw some of the, the management crew. They were wondering if it's Beer Friday. Um, can I answer that in two words? You may. Hell yes. Okay. You tell them, let's go ahead and get those cold. <laughs> let's get some frosty beers, oh, get yep. ready to go. They've it got it that. is Beer Friday. We will absolutely cheers at the end of the show today, Hutton. That, there's no doubt about that. Mike this Gunselman has been a good good and fast week. Yeah, it has been. Uh, Mike Gunzelman, uh, gun, gun show, show, I think, includes beer with it. The, the show includes, uh, uh, first off, great seats for the gun show every time, and also frosty cold ones. No doubt. Uh, coming up, Kelly in Vegas will join us in about 20 minutes. Leonard Marshall, the great uh, New York Giants defensive lineman. Quentin Aaron, who portrayed Michael Orr in the film The Blind Side, will be with us uh, later. Plus, as Chad just mentioned, gun show. Mike Gunzelman in studio. Right now, we say hello to Ben Lieber. He's a Minnesota Vikings radio and TV analyst. He joins us on the show. Ben, good to have you back, man. Hope things are well. I believe he's frozen there. So we will check back in with Ben. Or maybe just get him on the phone. On the, we, can, uh, we can do that, too. we got to work on the Wi-Fi connection up in, uh, is it Minneapolis? Somewhere word? close to there, yeah. Been somewhere in Minnesota. Apparently Wi-Fi is a little we'll tough in, out there. Get into Dalvin Cook, headed to the Jets. Plus, uh, we've got Kirk Cousins and other aspects to jump in with him on uh, for some big headlines going into the NFL season. Chad Shannon Sharp, it is official. We were discussing this a week and a half, two weeks ago, I believe. Shannon Sharp to first take. It was a, an it obvious was rumor connection. And now it's now obvious it's connection. And now in the, the rumor was through, I believe, uh, 
one of the main media reporters was saying that it was going to be like a uh, t- two or three hits a week. Now it's Monday, Tuesday, starting the football season for Shannon Sharp with Stephen A. Smith. That'll be good. Yeah, I I, I like it. Like it's it's uh same response I had when we first talked about floated this as the possibility or the report that was out there. It's it's almost too perfect obvious. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. the guy who was with Skip Bayless, who Skip Bayless was with ESPN, and now that guy that was with Skip Bayless after he left, he's suddenly available. So now his former employer brings him back, a guy who has done this debate format for a long time, and you know he's going to yell a lot. You bring him back over. I mean, I think it's going to be fine. I, I just don't see that move and think, man, you know, ESPN's really knocking it out of the park with creativity in what they're doing. But it is kind of an obvious move, I think, for both sides. So we'll see how it works. Check back in uh, up in Minnesota. Ben Lieber joins us. Ben, hope things are well, man. Uh, things are well. My apologies about oh, the, the exception, man. It's all good. It, it happens. Hey, uh, so – Plenty of storylines with the Vikings, but they're being overshadowed either by the Jets or just because it's Kirk Cousins at quarterback and not Aaron Rodgers, for instance. What is the overview of this Vikings team, knowing how many games they won a year ago? O'Connell's back going into year two. Cousins is in a contract year, but he doesn't seem to mind. Dalvin Cook's not there. You do have one of the top five players in the league in Jefferson, however. What is the optimism there compared to how you feel like it is nationally? Well, I think everybody everybody around their own home team is filled probably with mo- a lot more optimism than the national media. But um, I, I would say it's pretty high. It really is re- realistically pretty high. There are some question marks. Um, let's start with the positives first. You got Justin Jefferson. You have Kirk Cousins, who in my mind is a top 10 quarterback. Um, he he can win a lot of games. He, he proved that last year. The the whole narrative that he can't have a fourth quarter comeback. He doesn't have the hit factor. He can't play in prime time. I think all that's been put to bed. Um, I think he's a really, really good quarterback. And I think he's going to be better in year two of, of KOC's offense. I think the, the offense actually may be a little bit better than it was last year with Josh Oliver coming over. As a big blocking tight end, he is um, he can help that offensive line sort of focus more on the interior protection and just sort of leave the edges alone. And I think that that's really going to help out this offensive line uh, in total. I think the biggest question mark comes on defense. Brian Flores, in my estimation, was the best offseason signing by any player or coach by any team in the whole offseason. And uh, I know that's those are those are big words, but I truly believe what he can do in his system with this defense and with the players that he has. But it all remains to be seen. We don't know if this defensive front can be consistent in the run game. Uh, we don't know if we can you know, pressure the quarterback without ble- bringing a blitz or a pressure. So, yes, there are a lot of question marks still, but uh, tons of optimism. I-, I watch the quarterback series on Netflix, and I'm watching, and I become more of a Vikings fan because of Kirk Cousins in, in that series. And I know that I'm not alone. There's probably a lot more Vikings fans after having watched that. I, I know, Ben, this was no surprise to you anything with Kirk Cousins, but what do you think the impact of that series was on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings with all those who got to watch it? You know, I think the Viking fans historically, you know, have really, it's hard to shake this NFC North black and blue division feel, even though modern NFL is sort of going a different direction. It's going to a little bit more finesse. The fan base still wants a rough and tumble, you know, hard-nosed team, and they want a hard-nosed 
quarterback. And I, and I think the series really showed the people and the public and the fans that even though Kirk is very clean cut, um, you know, he's the Cole's dad, he's all these kind of funny memes and different things. But I think they, they realize that he has the innate toughness that they can respect and that they can hang their hat on and their long history and their reputation of, of the Norseman Vikings and being this tough team. And, and I think that he kind of carries that torch. And I don't think a lot of people realize how tough he really was and battling through the rib injuries, everything that he went through, never complained, never talked about it. It was never brought up in the media. It was never talked about, you know, pre and post game. And he was secretly, you know, going through this, you know, the physical battles I think a lot of people gained a lot more respect for him, and uh, and I hope he feels that. The Dalvin Cook impact uh, for Cousins in the offense, it, and it flipped from a run first to a pass first team when the coaching change happened, for sure, mentality-wise. Um, without Dalvin Cook, just throughout the offseason, Ben, did the Vikings try to keep him even by giving him the pay cut? Money was an issue, no doubt. Money's an issue for every running back in the league right now, it seems. Uh, is Alexander Madison really the... Is he the three down back that they need? Yeah, I believe so. And I believe that they they felt that way when they gave him that two-year extension early in the offseason. You know, listening to the the quotes from Madison, you know, more recently than maybe right after he signed, he knew exactly what that meant for him and this offense going forward. I think when when they gave him that extension, that two-year extension, it let it let him know that Dalvin probably was not going to be back. They uh, they probably weren't going to work really, really hard on a restructure unless the money came back, you know, very much in the team's favor. And that probably, you know, deservedly so. And in all fairness, Dalvin deserves a lot more than that. So, um, you know, I think that Alexander knew that he he was going to be the guy. And I think this offense is actually going to be better for it because Alexander can get downhill and he can pick up positive yards. This was an offense that needs to have positive yards on first and second down. And we just didn't have that on a consistent basis with Dalvin, even though he has home run ability and we saw, you know, what he can do in the screen game. We saw the way that he can just break off plays. I think they want more consistency in the positive yardage situation. And, uh, and Madison's going to give him that. How great is it to have Aaron Rodgers out of that division? Uh, it's awesome. I will say this though, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna miss sort of the the constant Aaron Rodgers buzz around here because you know he's just such he's just such a fun interview and he's such an interesting guy and a mysterious guy and uh, we're not gonna get that as much. I will say this: I think that I think that Jordan Love is gonna be um, I think he's gonna be a tough out still with Green Bay. He gives them athletically, I think, a different dimension. I think they can call plays a little bit differently. I think the, for the first you know, quarter of the season, the whole league is going to try to figure out how to play their offense. Um, so I'm not going to say that uh, they're going to be an awful team or uh, you know, they're going to be completely different. I think that you know, they're going to be a very competitive team. They've got a great defense. They've got a great secondary. They can get after the passer. So they might have to win in different ways. Um, but surely, you know, when it comes to clutch moments, it's going to be nice that Rodgers is gone. How real is the competitive uh, vitriol between Jefferson and, and Jair Alexander? Uh, and it's unfortunate we don't get to see this on the field until around Halloween. Oh, I think it's real, you know, and I think it, I don't think it's in a completely personal. I, don't, I really don't like you, but I think from a professional competitive standpoint, it's as real as it can get. These guys are going to score off each other with, against each other twice a season, and I and I can't wait. You know they do a lot of. 
I think healthy trash talking to each other. That's the one thing I love about Justin Jefferson is I think he's very self-aware with himself and very self-aware about how he presents himself to the, the rest of the league. And he knows what to say, how to say it. And with Jair, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit of a WWE matchup every week about how they present themselves to the media, what they say to each other, what they do on social media. So I think it's fun. I think it's, I think it's good for the league and I think it's good for our division. He was close last year. Is Jefferson the first receiver that we will see surpass the 2000 yard mark in a single season? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Especially with, you know, even though Madison's going to give this offense a different dimension going downhill and picking up positive yardage, we're, we're still probably going to throw the ball 65, 70% of the time, as is the rest of the league. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that he's going to do it. Ben Lieber, our guest, uh, you're K-State guy. What do you make of all the movement and the fact that you end up of, of, the, of the commissioners in the Pac-12 and the Big 12? Brett Yormark has he's run laps around what was going on out west. I'm just relieved. I really am because, you know, I love, I love Kansas state. And, but the reality is if the big 12 dissolved, Kansas state was going to be caught up kind of like how Oregon state and some of these other PAC 12 teams feel felt they feel left out. You know, all the predictions that I saw, you know, a couple of years ago when they said, well, if, if Oklahoma and Texas are going to leave and the big 12 dissolves, these teams right here, Kansas, Kansas state, um, you know, Oklahoma State, some of these teams are going to be left behind. And so I was really worried that if that was the case, then K-State's going to end up in some lesser division, you know, feel less credible and kind of lose a little bit of the reputation I feel like we've built up. So I'm just excited that the Big 12 has expanded. Um, they keep expanding. I think they've they've added to this thing, this conference in a really positive way. I know that Texas and Oklahoma bring a lot of clout, but Utah is a great football program um you know i think arizona and arizona state are, are really good programs really solid programs i think you know top to bottom with houston and and central florida uh cincinnati i think this is a really really tough um tough conference now from both a football and a basketball perspective ben going back to the nfc north i know there's a see it to believe it quality with the detroit lions at all times mm. we have seen yeah. some progress we haven't seen them obviously get exactly to where they want to go. What what is the level of belief that that you have, and a lot of people around the division have, and in, in at least the direction they're headed? Oh, it's real. You know, it's I see it with my own eyes. They they truly have built something special there. They're doing it their in old fashioned way. Um, you know, a punch in the mouth sort of old school football way, and you can see that their players really buy in. And you can see how the rest of the league has a hard time defending against it because everybody else is going faster, smaller, leaner. They want to spread the game out. And not often do you face a team that wants to punch you in the mouth every single snap. So I think they're, they are legit. I think their defense has has really turned a corner at the, the halfway point in the season last year. Um, they were a blitzing unit, and it, it really hurt them. They were feast or famine, and they got burned a lot. But then Aaron Glenn sort of figured out, okay, I can disguise a little bit more. I can decoy a little bit more. I can window dress a little bit more. And all of a sudden, their defense started making more plays. They gave up less points, uh, and thus they started winning more games. I think they won, what, eight of the last ten games of the season. If they can keep up that sort of mentality and that philosophy going into these games, especially defensively, I think they're going to be a tough out, and I think they're the, they're the real deal. We're going to see any starters in the game you'll be covering, Vikings and Titans on Saturday? I, I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, this was uh, this was KOC's MO last year. You know, we didn't know what how how he was going to approach the preseason, and he didn't play 
a lot of his starters. And so they got some great work in the last two days with these joint practices. So, you know, reading between the lines, I think that he's going to be really happy with the work that they got in as starters. And uh, he's going to rest those guys on Saturday night. Yeah. Stay healthy until September 10th. That's the, that's that's right. the goal now. Uh, ben, always great stuff, man. We appreciate it as always. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, same here, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. There's Ben Lieber, uh, Minnesota Vikings radio TV analyst. Really interesting division this year with yeah. the Vikings trying to hold on probably the last year, unless Kirk Cousins just knocks it out of the park for him in, in Minnesota, uh, not getting that extension, but he could earn his way into that. What does Jordan Love look like getting his opportunity? That's Justin Fields secret. looked good in the first preseason game, but what does his improvement look like? And then the Lions have been knocking at the door. The Lions are, are going to be selected the as the opponent for the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night to kick off the season. Yeah. A lot of interest. The, the, Lions. Do- the Lions will quickly become like, like the Cubs of 2016 for a lot of America, where they will if they they go will in and root win, for yeah. that story. Well, if, if they're winning at all, you know, it, any major clip at any point this season, people will well, be saying, watching. Well, like 40 to for 50 them. million watching. Oh, that, yeah. That no, kicks that, that'll off. Be a, that'll be a big a, moment for them. A big way. Ben Lieber there, K State grad. So is Kelly in Vegas, who's going to make her pitch as to why. Kansas State needs to be in and why I'm the an college idiot. football of the NFL discussion that Chad presented earlier this week. Yeah, she'll tell us why Chad's an idiot. All the rest of you think I'm an idiot. You're going to love this next segment. That is Buckle next up. on Hot My with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Leonard Marshall joins us coming up in about uh, 40 minutes from now. Week has uh, flown by, Hutton. It's, yeah, it's flown fast pace. Our goal, to get to 5 p.m. Central, get mm-hmm. you to 6 p.m. Eastern, through your work day and into the weekend. There will be Friday beers. We will cheers Absolutely. the end of the show today. Chad, Sixth were... and Peabody's hopping out oh, there. It's packed, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It was like football season. Hutton and I wore the same shirt for some reason, it looks like. Color-wise, no, no pre-planning involved. Hutton went no collar. I went collar. The only difference. Well done. We've right. just completely linked up uh, with, with everything. We just Very don't consistent. even talk about it and wear the same shirt. Yeah, we have football season around the corner. All the discussions about the future of college football. And uh, earlier this week, you had the exercise of the 32 teams, football programs for the NFL of college football. There were several who chimed in that were pissed off for greatness about your list you know teams 33 and 34 perhaps uh maybe even further down on your list for all i know um but our next guest is one of the more vocal uh of those who took exception to your list of programs and the the big omission according to kelly in vegas who joins us now kelly welcome to the show hope you're doing well 
I am doing well in uh, the beautiful, cloudy of city of Las Vegas right now. So pardon my hotel room, but I did make my bed just for you, Hutton. Thank you. It looks great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it looks great. That was only for Hutton, too. Chad, Chad Look, and there, I, there were a lot of complaints about yeah, the list I put together. We've heard about this. And you can't like fully explain the rationale behind everything in one tweet. So then Clay retweets it. And people are chiming in left and right. And I'm getting destroyed, <laughs> but I don't notice a lot of the destruction uh, until I see Kelly in Vegas chime in. I'm like, okay, now I feel now something I know it's passionate. about this. Now I've really reached a level <laughs> of I've got to defend myself. And I, I told Kelly, I said, as a, as a friend of the show, I said, you need to come on and, and tell me why I got it wrong on Kansas State. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure, Kelly, that's what offended you the most about this list? No. As a matter of fact, oh. as a K-State fan, I'll, I'll tell you this. K-State's always been undervalued. They've always been the underdog. They've never gotten any respect. So that I'm used to. But I just want to know where you learned geography. You had snubbed both Mississippi schools. You got Baylor in the West. Somehow UCLA doesn't make the list yet. Stanford? Stanford, who All might right, not this- even have a football program coming up, made the list. And then you've got Notre Dame in the East. I know you're trying to relive the big old the big East days of basketball, but this was supposed to be a college football list, and that's where you really lost me. Well, see now this is an easy one for me to defend. Like the Kansas State thing, I'd be like, all right, you know, there's some good points there. Stanford, okay, valid arguments uh, against Stanford being on this list, but I, I'm cracking up about the people who are upset about geography with me. The Dallas Cowboys are in the NFC East. The Indianapolis Colts are in the AFC South. I can't snap my finger and put the perfect amount of top college football brands evenly across these United States of America. There's going to be some that have to get divided into different divisions, much like we see in pro sports. And Kelly, a K-State grad and fan of all people in the Big 12, the Big 12 that spans from now Orlando, Florida, to, to Boulder, Colorado, so Morgantown, West Virginia, complaining about geography is is rich to me. That, that's a that's well, a funny don't complaint. Forget, we also have Tucson, Arizona, and Salt Lake City uh, coming into that mix. Hey, listen, as a Florida resident these days, I'm very happy that UCF joined the Big 12 just so that I can go to a couple more games uh, every few years. But I would agree with you. It's a little awkward. Uh, hey, if we had it my way, we'd be going back to the Big 8, okay? Uh, I love those days when you could just drive to any one of the games. Well, Bottom look, line. Kelly, you're you're the you were the uh, the the person that we wanted to get on the show that complained about it. You were not alone in complaining. <laughs> I I listened to all complaints. I read I read my mentions. I went through it and I tallied up the biggest complaints out there. You're not alone in geography. A lot of people were very pissed off about different geographic things, which is funny because one of the big geographic points was how is Arkansas in the north. How is Arkansas? And I'm like, Oklahoma is further south, and no one's mentioning them as a problem in the north. But everybody was mad about hey. Arkansas in the north because they're in the SEC. With you guys in the Mason-Dixon line, I didn't grow up in the south. I grew up in Kansas. But I've always been told the Mason-Dixon line is supposed to be the defending yeah. marker there. And Oklahoma just wasn't a state yet. So I think people just assume Oklahoma is Midwest. I don't know anybody that thinks it's the South. I mean, they're South of Kansas, but even I still consider it that way. But for some reason, Arkansas, while it is the neighbor to Oklahoma, is the South. I will it, say it, the it Mason-Dixon line, it, it's just tying this in. Had he included either of the Mississippi schools or Kentucky, for that matter, your complaint would be it's too SEC heavy. True. Uh, I don't know 
if I would say it was too SEC heavy. I did think it was weird the way that he did the East, right? Just uh, like the, I don't know. It was just very uh, t- Tell me what's weird about it. You don't like the like Florida combination well, with the it. Northeast? No, you know, Yeah, actually, we can put it up on the screen right now so people can see what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, let's put it up on the screen. I, I, listen, I don't dislike the two Florida schools being in the same. I actually am concerned about maybe potentially losing that rivalry going on what's, what's going on with the ACC right now. But that being said, why is all the Texas schools in the South? I feel like they're, it's just an odd Because they're in the South. (laughs) The South goes all the way across the country, not the Southeast. I get what you're saying on the, the Southeast is different. So here's what I did, Kelly, for you, all right? Because I like you and respect you so much. I took your complaint. I heard the complaints of others. And I took the top three or four complaints. And I changed my list based on the top three or four complaints. So here was my divisions. Here's the new divisions. If we factor in the biggest complaints, what I did was I replaced, and you can see it here, Kelly, you can weigh in. I replaced Syracuse with Pittsburgh. Syracuse was the biggest point of contention. Everyone claimed that I went to Syracuse, I guess because I'm in broadcasting, and it's the only way Syracuse could have ever been put into this, and I'm like, have you ever heard of Jim Brown? Have you seen, whatever. Either way, Syracuse out, Pittsburgh in, because the most people complained about that. For you, I put Kansas State in. I did hear about it from Kansas State fans. The other biggest complaint was Oklahoma State being left out. So what I did was I removed Colorado and Baylor, put in Kansas State, Oklahoma State. That gives a new West division. And then I put Arkansas in the North, and moved Oklahoma from north to west to pair up Oklahoma, Oklahoma State in the same division. Do you like this list more? Uh, well, I guess west of the Mississippi, K-State just gets put in there by proxy. But <laughs> that being said, I still can't believe Stanford's on your list and not UCLA. I, I just think that's a bonehead thing. I would even take Oregon State, Washington State over Stanford football. What, what, what Chad did is uh, he, uh, Chip I'm Kelly. I'm an elitist. What can I say? Chip you know, Kelly, Kelly threw that's me. I'm a big private school guy. He had the 64 team. Chad chopped it in half and then omitted Chip Kelly from the league. Yeah, I was so pissed off at Chip Kelly for bringing up the 64 <laughs> team idea. I just removed his team altogether hey, from, from the list. What would it be like in the betting world, uh, wager talk, for instance, Kelly, with this model and the, the weekly matchups that you would receive? Oh my gosh. Could you imagine some of these really fun old rivalries being brought back? I know that some of them are still played, even though they're in different conferences, but to have those types of like knockout drag out matches, I think would be great for the betting space. I don't think it's going to affect the numbers. I think it's going to affect recruiting more than anything though. Um, Because that's kind of what we're seeing with all the conference realignments is these smaller schools that are either being snubbed or left out or waited too long to make a move that we're going to really see some hurt there. And obviously when you're not getting the best recruits, you're not getting the best coaches, it's going to hurt uh, your handicapping as far as how the matchups are going to play out. But I, I love to see all of the chaos. It keeps college football fun, if you will. Yeah, it's, um, it, do, it does make it fun. I'm curious though, not the, the betting analyst hat on here, College football fan, K-State fan, do you love this or hate this when you see the possibility of a super conference like this and getting rid of a lot of, you know, even if they're teams that sort of drag down the bottom of conferences, there are still rivalries involved in that mix that now would be eliminated. Do you love it or hate it when you see the possible future of the sport? 
You know, that's a tough question uh, because I think things are always ever evolving. And I do miss some of those old rivalries. And that is what I even tweeted a couple of weeks ago. But I will say this. I think that there's always going to be bottom feeders in every single conference for obvious reasons. Not every team is going to be great. Right. Uh, but that's what makes college football so awesome is you take a team like Kansas State that Bill Snyder literally pulled from the gutter and got them to bowl games, got them to potential national championship contention. Now, never got there, had potential Heisman candidates. It, you love to see the evolution. Um, the, the NIL deals and all of this stuff that keeps coming into play is going to keep evolving everything. And that's where I, I have a love and a hate. I, I miss that old school rivalry. I miss the, you know, everybody always gives me a lot of grief. Oh, you hate Oklahoma. Oh, you hate Texas. I'm like, I also hate Iowa State. I hate KU. I still hate Colorado. <laughs> I didn't want them back in to the Big 12. I said, no, leave them for dead like Nebraska. They left. Missouri's losing. You know, to see all of those types of teams who, who abandoned ship, Texas A&M, actually kind of started that whole ordeal. I I love to kind of see them not do well in their new perspective conferences because that is college football. You grow up hating these other teams. Well, and it's also, that's a great point, and I love that you're honest about the hatred. We try to do that as well. But it's always going to be uneven. The nature of the sport is to not be completely fair. And I, I look at that even with divisions. You know, well, the West looks easy there. And I'm like, yeah, because the West is easy compared to the Southeast. <laughs> In college football, and it's not even because you've got a system in place where the teams in the SEC make more money, put more into it, have more money to give players. It's not the NFL, I guess, is what I'm getting at. If it ever gets there, then it would be, oh, I could expect six and six out of everyone every year. But now you don't expect that. It's never going to be the NFL. And that's okay. It's not ever going to be the NFL. But the SEC, uh, top to bottom, I would not even probably put as my best conference. I'd probably say we could argue it might be the Big Ten. That, That being said... The SEC has a, is a different animal. They basically have a few NFL teams uh, that to fight for that, you know, money for that competition. Obviously, the the Southeast is a hotbed for recruiting, uh, especially the state of Florida, the state of Georgia, even the state of Alabama. I mean, Texas. Once you kind of bring those states into the mix, I mean, the SEC is going to be really, really tough uh, until well, alignment starts happening again. So. The real question that I had you on to ask, have you forgiven me for confusing you for Megan making money? That's the question that we really want to know on this show. uh, Have I been forgiven, absolved yet? I would be lying if I did not. Uh, I have a group chat with Clay and Ariel where we like to, you know, joke about a lot of things. And I said, all right, I need some ammunition uh, to make fun of Chad. And well, you, I, and you like, don't need much. I, Trust me. You don't need any said, ammunition for me. accidentally call him Hutton. And I said, I would never do that to Hutton. <laughs> Why would I ever do that to Hutton? Thank like, you, I Megan. Yeah. The chat, I said, I said, isn't he a bandy grad? And he goes, oh, even worse, Tennessee. And I, I had all of these ideas to make fun of you and call you an elitist for going to Vandy. And it just didn't work out I well. Couldn't, I could never get into Vandy. That's what's funny yeah, about it. Same. I mean, it, even in the, the trying to get insults to me, it produces an even better insult for me that, oh, no, he didn't go to Vandy. He, he went to the, the public school. That, that tracks. That makes sense. Megan making money. I mean, uh, Kelly in Vegas yeah. has, <laughs> has been with us. Way better than Megan making money is Kelly in Vegas. That's really what we wanted to say here. I'm um, pretty sure that that night, any blonde girl within a five-foot radius that was anywhere near Chad, he's like, Megan? Megan? Is Megan that Megan? Money. Well, I was, I, it was it was bad. I was talking to Clay about something else, and the, the wires got crossed and then walked in, and then someone else that Clay knew – that was Megan, and then I was like, oh, this is Meg. It, it, was, it was bad. Either way, I apologize, and it's good to know that we're still friends. 
Absolutely. I adore you guys. Thank you, Kelly. Always great. We'll catch up soon. Enjoy Vegas. Too. Yeah, win. Hey, as usual, I'll definitely win. try to behave myself. Uh, it sounds like there's a hurricane headed our way. I leave the state of Florida to come back to Vegas, and now I'm going to get hit by a hurricane. So the irony in that writes itself. A hurricane of money is what you're going to yes. catch in, in Vegas with all the great sports the betting tips. Yes. Have a great weekend. There's Kelly in Thanks, Vegas. Guys. Wager Talk, betting analyst. Uh, you can check her out on She's social hilarious. as well. She does a really uh, no good doubt. job. I, I, Fantastic. Well, and I brought well. up the Colts in the geography department because she just did a great video on Instagram I saw talking about the Colts prospects in 2023. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, the Colts are in the AFC South. Like of all the geography complaints, I got geography better than every other conference you, you in tried college to football. It in as be- as best I got you could. it better than every other conference, yet I'm the idiot about it. I'm the guy who went to state school and not Bandy also. So there we go. Coming up, Hugh Freeze. Arkansas in the north. Oh, my. Aghast. Hugh Freeze joins us. Excuse me. We'll discuss that. Then we'll have uh, Gun Show and more straight ahead in hour two.